I, and I, because they don't get used very much, I couldn't find mine. But imagine a map. Or your GPS, if you want to do that. But imagine a map. And there's an X here, and there's an X here. And there's a road mapped out with a highlighter going from, that, from one X to the other. Let's so imagine that. And as you're imagining that picture, imagine that the words across the center say, say follow me. What might you think? Who are we following? What are we going for? When will we get there? Those who go to Arizona on a fairly regular basis will always think, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Where is it that we're going? Not just what are we going for, but where is it we're going? You can see the X up there. But what is that X? Why? Why? Why are we going? How far is that? You know, all the turns and all the winding, you can't really figure out the, dis- the distance. How much is it going to cost to get there? Those are all good questions. What if the answer to the who is, God is calling Will you follow? Even if it's unexpected. I saw a short video kind of covering this topic recently. And the map starts out on someone's porch. As he comes out to get his morning paper, he sees this map all folded up, says, follow me. And so the whole thought is, he sees it, but... Why? What is it? Am I going to follow it? It was unexpected to him to see that. Was it your childhood dream to follow God? I think most of us can say no. That wasn't our childhood dream. We had to be taught and we had to grow into it. Did we pre-plan? You know, is all this pre-planning for everything? Did we pre-plan our accepting his invitation to salvation? Or was it a spur-of-the-moment thing? You heard a message, you answered. Or he spoke, and you answered. Did you pre-plan it? I think with just a few rarest exceptions, it was unexpected for most of us. Would you follow even if the road is long? Again, we don't know how far that is. We, don't, we know the destination. We can see the destination on the map, but how far is it? Would we follow if we had a long road? When will we reach that goal? Think of the Israelites for a moment. Forty years. They were heading toward that goal. Then the grumbling and complaining came in there because where are we going? Why aren't we there yet? What are we going to eat? We could have had our leeks and our onions and our garlic back in Egypt. The Egyptians would have taken care of us even though we were slaves. They fed us. They gave us plenty of water. Now we don't have all of that. When are we going to get there? So they started losing faith and losing patience. Would you follow even if the destination is completely unknown? 
They knew they were going to a land of flowing with milk and honey. They hadn't seen it. They can only imagine what that means. Where is it? How far is it? The whole, those same questions come up. How long will it take? Knowing, not knowing all those even ifs, would you follow? In the video, he did follow. He followed the directions. He went all the way to the end of the, the route, following each and every turn, as it said. In John chapter 8, we read, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And most of us remember the story. First of all, how did they catch her unless it was set as a trap? But without saying all that, Yeshua seemingly didn't really pay attention to them. Remember, he knelt down. He started writing in the dirt with his finger. And one by one by one, everybody left. And you know he's not paying attention to them because in verse 10 we read, when he raised himself up. So he wasn't looking at them. He was just doing what he was doing. You know, some presume they were, he was writing down each person's sin in the dirt for them to read and that's why they left. We don't really know what he wrote. But he saw no one but the woman. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. Yeshua said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Yeshua spoke to them again. Remember, he, all the people were gathered around at this time. They're still waiting to hear the teaching. See, this is like kind of an interruption in the teaching. So now he just goes back to them and he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In the 10th chapter, it says, we say, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. We're approaching the Feast of Dedication. And it was winter, and Yeshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long will you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Yeshua answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, following Yeshua should produce results. Part of the results are this. Further down in the chapter, at verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So the results of following Yeshua are that you're following the Father, because they're one. And the Father sent the Son to bring the message of salvation to the earth. We follow Him, we're following the Father. So, following Yeshua is following God. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. In John chapter 12, there were certain Greeks among them who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Yeshua. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Yeshua. 
it, it's a little interesting that Philip was the one who received the request. He went to Andrew, and then he and Andrew went to Yeshua. Why didn't Philip go on over, go to Yeshua and say, look, people want to talk to you, they want to see you? But he answered and said, the hour has come that the Son of Man be, should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So you understand, you understand that following Yeshua means that wherever Yeshua is, you're there. If you're following Talking about the grain falling into the earth and dying, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quote this right. I know I'm not, and you didn't bring it with you, so I'm going to try to remember this. There, no, that's not up there. The, there's a quote. It goes like this. Oh, it's in the... Okay, well. The mighty oak... <laughs> mighty oak was once a nut. That, that, that held its ground. That's same principle. It had to be there and die in the ground to sprout forth life. Mike knows a lot about all this with his gardening and everything. He, he knows you've you got to put the seed in the ground. The seed has to die and sprout forth the, the produce. So following Yeshua is serving Yeshua. It's being where he is. So who or what are we following? Remember the map? We know we got, got it all mapped out. We see the route. We see the destination. What's really there? There's some rewards of following. Proverbs 21 says there's a desirable, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. Who is righteousness? Yeshua is our righteousness. If we follow after righteousness, if we follow after Yeshua, we find him and we find his righteousness. Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. We need to follow him. We need to follow right along with him every step of the way. The whole path on the map that he's mapped out for us. Or whatever he's programmed into your GPS. You can't override it. You follow the directions on that GPS. You're going where he wants you to go. 
just an interesting note. You know, usually you go from translation to translation to translation, you find different variations. But in the gospel accounts, that when Yeshua says, follow me, whether you look at the King James, the New King James, and the Orthodox Jewish Bible, whoa, how many people know there's an Orthodox Jewish Bible that has the Brit Kaddishah written out? Yes, there is. See, some of us use the same app. We know about this. All of them have 20 times when Yeshua said, follow me. I just found that interesting because usually other different translations, they translate differently. But these all use that same term, follow me. Now, back in 1999, a man named Eddie Stanky died at the age of 83. How many know the name Eddie Stanky? Aaron, I knew you were going to write. Oh, and Norm. Now, you might ask, who is Eddie Stanky? I'm glad you asked. According to Time magazine, Eddie Stanky was a pugnacious pennant-winning second baseman. He battled his way through 11 seasons for the champion Brooklyn Dodgers, Boston Braves, and New York Giants. Branch Rickey, the Dodgers general manager, said of him, He can't run, he can't hit, and he can't throw. But if there's a way to beat the other team, he'll find it. That was, that was in Time Magazine back in June of 1999. So, let's see if I got this right. Stanky couldn't run very well. He couldn't hit very well. And he couldn't throw the ball very well. Now, I know some of you will, will say that you don't know anything about baseball. I know quite a bit about baseball. But I don't, I don't know everything. But from what I do know... That's just about everything you need to do to be on a baseball team. But despite that, winning teams wanted him on their team playing second base. Why? Because if there was a way to beat the other team, he found it. Stephen Dolly Jr. once observed that a man who wants to do something will find a way. A man who doesn't will find an excuse. Luke chapter 9, beginning of verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, or him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in his own glory, and in his Father's, and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So we see Yeshua is talking to his disciples, and he, he tells them he's not looking for people who are looking for excuses. He's looking for people who want to do something for him so badly they will find a way. As Yeshua declared in, the, in verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him to die himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now what does that mean? Well, it means to regard something else to be more important than yourself. 
It means placing a higher priority on what Yeshua wants than what you want. Yeshua said it this way in Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, a lot of people look at Yeshua's words right there and think, like some people think of the commandments, they're a suggestion. It's just a suggestion. If I want to seek his kingdom first, ah, that's okay. But if I don't, well, that's okay too. It's like some people say, well, if I you know, follow the Ten Commandments, you know, it, it's okay because they're just suggestions. I don't have to do it. That's not what Yeshua meant. This wasn't a suggestion by Yeshua. They were marching orders. And how do I know it wasn't a suggestion? Because remember what we just read that Yeshua said? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're going to follow Yeshua, your first priority is his kingdom and his righteousness. If those are not your priorities, then you're just a fan of Yeshua. You're not a follower. Fans, see, some of you are into sports, so you can understand this, especially if you're like me and you stay till the last out or you stay till the whistle sounds. Fans stick around as long as things go their way. It's very frustrating to me as a true fan of a team to be sitting in a stadium and watch people leaving because our team is behind. That's not a true fan. If things don't go their way, some fans walk away. Are we fans of Yeshua? Or are we followers of Yeshua? Followers, by contrast, stick around and stick it out because it isn't about them. It's about the one that they follow. The one that they seek first. In their lives, the one who is the priority in their lives. You can see fans of just about any football, baseball, basketball, soccer, you name the sport. You see those kind of fans. They're the ones when the team is 30 points behind in the last 10 minutes of the game, they pick up their coats and their seats and they head on home. They came to see their team win, not lose. So they are fickle. They walk because the team is behind. The fans weren't there for the team. The team was supposed to be there for them. All about me. But that didn't happen, so they walked away. They're not there for the team. So what is the team for believers? There are believers out there who believe that all they need to be is committed to to Yeshua. They believe they don't need to be committed to anything or anyone else. And I can understand that. We are called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, and follow Him. But Yeshua said, Seek ye first what? His kingdom and His righteousness. And back to the text again. In verse 27 we read, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here today who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. 
So that tells me that some of those disciples were there with Yeshua, that they were, they were there in the first century with him, that they were going to see the kingdom of God before they died. Yeshua said it. They won't taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So that tells me that they must have seen the kingdom of God. And Yeshua pretty much agrees with that in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 9. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. So some of those disciples were not going to die until they saw the kingdom of God present with power. What might that, where, what might that power be? In Luke 20, 24, verse 48, after he had risen, he said, you are, my witness, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So they were promised that they would see the kingdom of God come with power. And on Shavuot, on Pentecost, they received that power. So that tells me that the kingdom of God came on Pentecost, on Shavuot, and came in the form of the Ruach, the Holy Spirit. So they did see the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit. So, what was this kingdom of God Yeshua spoke of? Look around. You're looking at it. The kingdom of God are the believers. We are his kingdom if we're following him. You, me, we are the team. So part of picking up my cross daily and following Yeshua is making the body of believers a priority in my life. I'm going to ask you for a show of hands for a second. How many of you here have heard this or something similar to this said? I can be just as good a believer without going to an assembly. I can be just as good a Christian without going to church. I think we've all heard a form of that at some time or another. That is a lie. No one can be just as good a believer without being part of a congregation. Forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together. Granted, you can be a believer without going to a synagogue, a church, an assembly. But you can't be a good believer without being part of a local congregation. We need each other. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about Yeshua. But you can be you can't be just as good a believer if you don't join yourselves to a fellowship. In, 
let's look at another perspective of this. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is writing to husbands how they should treat their wives. And in that passage, he also tells how Yeshua loves the community. And he died to establish her. And that the body of believers, we are his bride. Husbands, love your wives just as Messiah loved the community and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious community, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the community. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You see what you see what he's saying? Yeshua loves the community so much that he was invested he invested himself in her, in his bride, in the community of believers. He's constantly working inside the community to mold us and shape us into the radiant and holy bride that he deserves us to be. He's not distant from us. He is constantly devoted to us to make us what he wants us to be. Sometimes we try to fight against that. and We want to, we want to make us into what we, he, we think he wants us to be. If we just follow his word, we'll know what he wants us to be. We will be what he wants us to be because he's leading us in that direction each and every day of our lives. So if that's the type of priority that Yeshua placed on his community, on his kingdom... Shouldn't I and you, we, be just as committed to making the community as successful and beautiful as we can? Shouldn't the community be our priority too? Being believers, I had to borrow this, this was so good, was never meant to be a Lone Ranger type of religion. It's not about me, not about I. You've heard the saying, there's no I in team. That's why there's such an emphasis on one-anothering throughout the Brich Hadashah. The scriptures repeatedly say for us to, in John chapter 13, love one another. Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another. Romans, also in Romans chapter 12, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another. Galatians 5, serve one another. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another. Also in Ephesians 5, we just read, submit to one another. And on, and on, and on. You you can keep finding scriptures as you read that talk about the one anothering. You can't do... I wish I, had, I knew who this quote came from, but this is not my words, but I love it. You can't do one anothering if there's not another one another around to do someone another, some one anothering to or with. You can't do this one anothering all by yourself. You've got to have another one another there. And please don't ask me to repeat that. I hope you got it the first time. 
Get the CD if you didn't get it the first time. And you can't get more one another's together in one place than we have right here. There's a lot of one another's here that we can one another with. If we love Yeshua, this body of believers is a high priority to us because it's a high priority to him. If we don't love Yeshua, then this community will be a place where we just sit. And that's what fans do at games. They just sit there. Well, yeah, they do cheer. They buy hot dogs and soft drinks. And for Michael, Dodger dogs. But that's about all they do. They pay good money for that seat. And that's all they intend to do. Just sit there. There are people who do that in the assembly. They just sit there. Now, why would they do that? Why would some people just sit there? Well, first, over years, that's what they've been trained to do. We've been trained to just sit there and listen and then go away like nothing ever happened. All of you sitting out here, you're facing the same direction. Towards me. You sit like that long enough, you begin to think that the assembly is a spectator sport. That you are all the cheering section, and I and the worship team are the performers. But as you grow in faith, you begin to realize... This isn't all there is to, about, to, about being a believer. There are times when you need to be involved in making things happen and work for Messiah. But there's another problem. A lot of people don't think they've got anything to contribute. So they don't. Now, quick experiment. I'm gonna, it's going to be a little bit of a poll here. You keep your hands up through this poll. How many of you here would not be comfortable getting up and singing a special song? I know that will be many hands. How many of you cannot play an instrument? Keep, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Mouse, stop it. How many of you don't know enough about computers to help in the video booth? How many of you wouldn't know how to teach a class, a Shabbat school class, a Bible study, whatever? How many of you wouldn't know how to give a devotion? Wow. And how many of you wouldn't know how to give a sermon? Okay, you can put your hands down. Then I have this question to ask you. What good are you? Just, just kidding. I'm just kidding, of course. I'm just kidding, of course. But in reality, that's how a lot of people think. They think, I can't do this, and I can't do that, so I really have nothing to contribute. So I'll just sit here and cheer, and that'll be my contribution. You know, there's a time to recognize accomplishments, but we don't need a cheering section to continually cheer, just frankly. Remember what they said about Eddie Stanky? 
He can't run, he can't hit, and he can't throw. And there are people in congregations who figure, I can't hit, I can't run, and I can't throw. So they think, what difference could I make? See, Ron or I, after service, and we can give you some things that you can do. And that, if that's how Eddie Stanky had thought, nobody would have wanted him on, his team, on their team. But they saw value in him because he was willing to be there and do what he had to do and find a way to win for the team. Yeshua is not looking for somebody with talent. He's looking for someone who will do whatever it takes to make a difference in this world for him and for his community. He isn't looking for people who are capable. He's looking for the people who are available. Yeshua said, if anyone who would come after me, and he had fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, all kinds of uneducated, unworthy people following him, all because he said and meant anyone. It helps to understand what life was back in that day. Yeshua was a rabbi. And rabbis back then were a special class of people. They knew the scriptures inside and out, backward and forward. Most people didn't end up being students of rabbis. These candidates had to be a cut above the rest. They had to have an extensive knowledge of the scriptures and they would be quizzed by the rabbi to find out how much they knew. Sometimes they'd be asked to recite an entire book of the Tanakh. I'm not going to do that. Or they might be asked to tell the number of times the name of the Lord was used in the 11th chapter of Leviticus. So, as you can imagine, not just anyone could be a student of famous rabbis. The followers of those rabbis had to be a cut above. But Yeshua said anyone could be his follower. The fishermen, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. They didn't have to have an extensive knowledge of the scriptures. They didn't need to be able to answer all the scripture questions on a TV game show. They didn't need to be able to recite all the books of the scriptures or know the names of the 12 minor prophets. How many know the 12 minor prophets are? See, (laughs) Mouse is trying to think if he knows it. But there was one qualification that you had to meet to follow Yeshua. We read it earlier. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Yeshua was making a declaration that it isn't how much you know, how much skill you have, it's how much you're willing to do for him. In closing, an advertising tycoon by the name of Albert D. Lasker requested once that one of his top executives move from California to New York. The man refused. So Lasker took a different tack. He called him in his office. So a few days later, he comes to the office and he says, I have just made my will. 
I have designated you to succeed me as head of the business. This means that you will have to leave California when the time comes. Do you agree? The executive says, yes. You will do that for me? Yes. You would do that for me when I'm dead? Yes. Then why won't you do it for me while I'm alive? The executive surrendered. What made the difference for that executive? Why was he not willing to move before and then change his mind? Because he believed something was in the near future. Something that would dramatically change his life for the better. Once he believed that, he changed his attitude toward making the move. So let me ask the question this way. If you knew that Yeshua was coming back in one year, how would you live your life differently? Or would you live your life differently? Are you satisfied? Do you think he's satisfied with the way you're living your life now? If you knew that this world would end in the next 12 months, what would you do? Would you take on a ministry you've never considered doing before? Would you forgive that person you've hated for years? Would you talk to that friend or relative who you know would end up in hell? You can add that at any question that you may have and think about what would you do if you knew in 12 months Yeshua was coming and this world was gone. What would you do differently in life? What would you do differently in witnessing and speaking to people? Perhaps the most important question we should consider this morning is this, this afternoon now. If you knew Yeshua was coming back within the year and you haven't made your decision to be his child, would you make that decision today? Would you decide it's time to act on your faith that Yeshua is the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of your sins and turn your life toward Yeshua? And we talked about this a couple months ago. Repentance isn't just on the day of Yom Kippur. Repentance should be daily. There are things that we do in this world, in this life, that are wrong occasionally. We need to repent of those things. We need to, we need to stay prayed up, repented up, if you will. Would you be willing to make Yeshua the Lord and Master of your life? And you know what that means. That means that whatever you do is at His direction, under His control. That means you're surrendering completely to Him. How many are willing to do that? In this day and age, it's very hard for people to make that commitment on their own. But when the kingdom of God comes to dwell in you by way of the Holy Spirit, those things become much more easy to accomplish. And would you be willing to seal the deal by allowing yourself to be buried in the waters of the mikvah? Abba, we once again thank you and bless you because you are worthy. Lord, we want to become more and more like you so that we will do the things that you want us to do. We pray that you would give us the strength through the Ruach to be able to hear and obey 
that we would put the practice of the Shema in our lives to listen, to obey, to do what you want to further your kingdom. Lord, help us to be better followers and help us not to be fans. Yes, we love you. We appreciate you. We lift your name up and glorify you. But we don't want to be cheerleaders. We want to be a part of what you are doing and what you are going to do in us, through us, and with us. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our resolve to follow your word. To not let people say things to us that don't follow after your word and convince us to do otherwise. If there is anybody here today, Lord, that needs to repent. Anyone here today that maybe has gone a little bit astray, we pray that you would call them back to you. We pray, Lord God, for each and every person in this room, and those that aren't with us today, we pray that you would give us your heart. That whatever you say, whatever you want us to do, we will do it. That we will not be hesitant. When things don't seem to be going well, we're not going to walk out like a fair-weathered fan. But we're going to stand by you and one another to build your kingdom here, today, in this place, in this city, this county, this state, and in this country. Let us be your leaders so that we can draw others to follow you. Not us, but you. Show us the difference. Show them the difference. I'm just a man. I follow Yeshua. So if you come alongside me, we'll follow Yeshua together. Let that be our goal, Lord, to draw others alongside of us and follow you each and every step that you've laid before us. Let us take that road all the way to the destination you set forth. Let us make a difference in this world because we're following you. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.